Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis and I'm joined today by Reds legend Steve Chettle. Morning Steve, how are you? Very well Matt, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. No problem, no problem. People who are watching this on YouTube will see that Steve is just in full screen because my camera isn't working. So that's why Steve's staring awkwardly right at the camera as we speak. So sorry about that. Uh, everyone listening on new, uh, on iTunes, it's all normal for you guys. So no problem there. Um, Steve, we're going to talk Forest. We're going to talk Baseford. We're going to talk the Samantha Bertels Trophy uh, and various other bits and bobs. Uh, we're going to start with England, though, I thought, since uh, it's what everyone's talking about around the country in the Euros. Uh, you watched the Scotland game like the rest of us. From a manager and former player's point of view, was it as bad as, as the rest of us thought or not? Uh, it wasn't exciting. It was another point achieved, which is obviously, you know, the aim of the, the first part is to get through the group and get into the final, uh, the, you know, the knockout stages. But no, it was it was drab to say the least. I think there was a fear of not getting beat as opposed to wanting to go and win the game and go and do really well. But no, like I say, it was, it was a point ticked off and they have to move on to the next game on Tuesday. One player you'll know uh, really well was actually in the Scotland side in Shea Adams because you'll have worked with him at uh, Ilkeston, is that right? That's right, yeah. I'd spent two years with Shea. Shea was uh, a 16-year-old kid who'd just been released by Coventry, played at Odeby Town in Leicestershire. Uh, He came with no real uh, pedigree as such and no real position he just had something. He was, a, was what we class as these kids who don't really fit into academy systems, but he had something and he did really well for us. He wasn't playing at the time when we first first came in. He was coming on angry substitution and uh, he came on and did really well and obviously got into great things. I thought he played really well. I thought he was the best player. Uh yeah, I thought he was, actually, to be fair. Him, him and Billy Gilmore were really good. I guess at 16, though, you don't look at him and think, God, that kid's going to play for, well, England, you would have thought then, but going to play international football to you. Those are just a raw talent at that age. He was a raw talent and getting him into Augustine's first team. We had a you know, real good crop of youngsters at that time and we were a really young squad. We were full-time with the academy and he had he was in the team with Ash Hunter was in that team as well. Uh, Akil Wright, who went to play in the league. Obviously, Callum, who's played in the league. Uh, then you got into the first team and David Morgan was in that group who's now playing in the Football League with Accrington Stanley. And we had a really good group. Jordan Smith was a goalkeeper at the time. He was on loan from Forest. You know, so we had really good contacts within the Football League and you know, we had a really good team and we missed out on the playoffs that year by losing the final. But that team went on to produce some really good footballers. I guess, do you like to think you played a small part in his success then, Shea's success? A very, very small part. Yeah, they, for the for the year or so he was with us, uh, you know, you, you do pick up on what he's capable of and you know we're now seeing fruition of what he was capable of but it's a very small part in most people's career to be fair Matt <laughs> <laughs> oh we've got some echo here see if we can get rid of that after um in uh looking at the game itself then can you kind of explain tactically a couple of bits from a managerial point of view that I didn't understand I mean England played 
a flat back four and two holding midfielders, yet the full backs yeah. were camped out on the eight, their own 18-yard line a lot of the time. Did that make any sense to you? Am I missing something there? Uh, no, not really. You Normally, if you play with two holding midfield players and the full back does go joining, especially on his side, one of the holding midfield players just covers as the full back and the other one goes centre of the pitch, in my opinion. Uh, but like I say, this is the England manager who needs to get results and can't really afford to get be beaten Scott by Scotland. Uh, but it, it was very, very defensive-minded, holding players like Declan Rice and Kevin Phillips. Very rarely played forwards, very rarely drove forward with the ball. You just like to see some more excitement from a neutral's point of view and you know, being an England fan myself. Yeah, I mean, in the notes I sent you before we did this, one of the questions was, is Southgate any good? I mean, that's a bit of a harsh question. It's a bit of a tough question, really, because his results on qualifying have been really good. Obviously, the last competition, they did really well. It'll be judged on where he ends up finishing in this competition, I think, Matt, more than anything else, and not judged on that one game, even though, listen, the, the British public and especially the English public are very critical of anybody that <laughs> doesn't do things spectacularly and they look for people to fail at some point, I'm sure. And on Harry Kane, I mean, you've played 400 games for Forest, so you've been up against a lot of very good strikers. He's having a bit of a lean time at the moment. Are you... Do you see some kind of spark there that he can be the player we know he can, or does he look shot at the moment? No, he scores goals, Matt. But, you know, if you're not supplied with anything to score goals from, you, you know, you're going to be redundant at the top of the pitch. The play was so slow. There's not a lot of directness in the play. There aren't many crosses that go into the box with great quality. And if you're a goal scorer that relies on ammunition, really, to be provided for you, if you're not given that ammunition, you can't score goals. And, you know, like I say, it's a tough time at the minute, but you know, let's not write Harry Kane off. Harry, Harry Kane's a fantastic footballer and he's done really well for Spurs in England so far. And wherever he ends up next season, I'm sure he'll do well again. Last one's put you on the spot on England's um, Nostradamus prediction then. Where, how far are they going to go in the tournament? They'll get through the group stage. Uh, like I say, it depends who you play in the next round and how well they play. Uh, I'd like to think they get to the semi-finals, if not to the final. Uh, ask me being hopeful, shall we say. Let's talk a bit of Forest then before we uh, move on to Baseford. Um, the, the retain list came out and there were no great surprises. Uh, Amiobi was released and Dawson left and Ribeiro half left for his own volition, I think. Was there anything that surprised you in there? Not really. Obviously, the ones that went back as well are going to be a big loss. You know, the ones that played really well in the last season, like Gohan and Kravinovich, were you know big players for Forest. Uh, Dorsey had a great career, same as Glenn Murray. Uh, decided to hang their boots up. You know, at the right time is, you know, it's their call really. Uh, but no, no real great surprise at all in the group. Maybe Amiobi's won, uh, but still, and then again, had a bit part in the season, and every now and again gets injured. So no, no great shocks at all really in the list. What did you make of Amiobi as a, a player? He had a lot of talent. Was he a bit frustrating? Do you think? A bit inconsistent. Yeah, frustration. Somebody who does have the talent, scores spectacular goals every now and again, turns the ball over an awful lot. Uh, like I say, you need some consistency. And I think that was a Forest all season. He needed some consistency. And he, he just stood out really like everybody else that some good performances, some indifferent performances. Uh, and you need some more consistency to be, you know, to be really good and get to where they need to be to. Do you think Amiobi being released and Knockhart looking like he's not coming back, does that send a signal maybe that the manager's going to put trust in Mighton and Johnson or do you just think he's probably just got his options open for someone else to come in? 
I think he's cleared the deck for either, to be fair, Matt. You know, Alex has done really well. Brennan's done really well this year across at Lincoln. Uh, they'll come back into the, you know, into the forward, I'm sure. But once you do have a clear out, it does give you the option to go and find something which is better than what you've released, which it has to be really. There's no point just doing like for like. Or you put your faith in the kids, uh, which has been done before, which has been which has gone really well. But, you know, are they going to play the whole season for the first team in the championship? I'm not so sure. Yeah, what what would you do with Brennan now then? Because it's a, an important time in his career, the time where he probably needs to be keep playing a lot of games. So does he have to play regularly for Forest, or do you uh, maybe ease him into the squad and make him a bit part player next season, which fans wouldn't like? Well, no, I think he, at the minute, because what you've cleared away, the Garner and the Kravinovic, like I say, Brennan can fit straight into the team. It's how much he plays, because it's a big step up from where he's been at Lincoln to where he's been in the Championship. Uh, but, you know, he looks like he has the talent. He's got great fitness levels. He's from a great family stock, shall we say. Uh, and you just hope that he gets an opportunity pre-season. If he does well, he'll possibly start the season. It's how long he stays in the team regarding form and regarding fitness uh, will be dictated to by, obviously, Brennan himself. You'll know the answer to this one. Does it help or hinder having a father who's a former player? Uh, I'm probably not the person to ask my father. No, you probably should ask my son, to be fair. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just think it, you know, it, it's a name which you've got to make your own, really. It's okay having the surname and you're the, the son of, but it's, you know, it's, it's your own path that you take now. David's had a great career and now it's Brennan's turn to go and stamp that authority onto the first team himself. That was a swerved. That was a swerved question, shall we say? <laughs> well, I'll press you on it a bit more. Was it a best, <laughs> is it best to stay out of the way? And I know Peter Schmeichel says he doesn't talk football with Casper Schmeichel, which I don't believe particularly. But is I mean, what are you like? What were you like with Callum? And in turn, what will David be like? With well, when Callum, Callum when Callum was at other clubs, obviously I had Callum at Ilkeston, and then you know I left, and he went on to play in the football league. So in the when he was went to the football league with Peterborough, I was just dad, but. You know, he'd ask my opinion and I'd give him my opinion on some sort of things. And then I said, go and speak to the manager. And when he spoke to the manager, normally it's what I said to him. But it's a bit different now because I manage him every day. We work together in the academy at Baseford and obviously he plays from the weekends in the first team. So it's a bit different now. I do have some kind of uh, pull on him and tell him what to do now. <laughs> we'll wait till David Johnson's forest manager then and see what he does. Yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> um, on Michael Dawson then, I think... He's kind of suggested he might play on. Obviously, he's got a media career. Forrest would like to have him coaching. When you bowed out, I think I'm right in saying, were your knees a bit shot? Was it half taken no, out? My back. Your, no, it's my back. back was shot. My knees are fine. It's my back. I still have back problems now. But, yeah, I chose to stop playing. It's a bit like Dorse, really. You know, I, I didn't finish at the level that Dorse has finished at. I finished in non-league. And I couldn't get through a season without, you know, getting injured at some point. So, I chose to bow down. Uh before anything serious happened and, you know, it became critical that my back was going to, you know, try and stay in some kind of shape. Uh, so it was an easy decision for me to make. And now Dorse has got to decide what he wants to do next. Like you say, his media career's taken off. Uh, he's got a big game next Sunday, playing down at Baseford first, and he can do what he likes after that. <laughs> do you think Forrest underutilised him in that second spell back or not? I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs. You know, we don't know how fit he was. Uh you know, he, he might not have been game ready. He hasn't played for an awful long time. And like I say, Forrest needed to stay in the league in the first place. And when they did, maybe it would have been nice for him to have some kind of minutes and to finish it all off. But, you know, that's the manager's decision. And that's, you know, that's a tough one to call. 
Um, talking of centre-halves, then, all the talk around players leaving, well, a lot of it is around Joe Worrell and the potential for a Premier League move. Uh, I know you've told me before that no one ever came in for you, uh, which I find surprising when you were at Forest. But what would your advice be to Joe if the chance to go to the Premier League is on is on the table this summer? If he does move, it's got to be the right move. You know, what are the opportunities for him? Uh, will he play? Uh, if he doesn't play, he needs to obviously play somewhere. So does he come back? Does he go on loan somewhere? But, you know, I think every player wants to play at the highest level in the Premiership is, you know, as everybody says, probably the best league in the world. And to give, be given that opportunity uh, for Joe would be exciting for him. But I think he needs to make sure it's the right move uh, in the first and foremost. Yeah, I mean, is Burnley a good move? I don't know. You all know Sean Dyche from, I guess, from uh, Forest. I know but... Sean well, and I know he, he does like his, his English uh, heart and the sleeve kind of player. And Joe fits right into that. Uh, so possibly, yeah, uh, we'd have lots to do, shall we say, playing at Burnley. Because, you know, they'd end up playing a basic 4-4-2 and defend, you know, very, very rigidly. Uh, so would he fit into that? Possibly. Uh, I've heard West Ham has been mentioned as well and, you know, Crystal Palace and all those kind of clubs. So you've just got to make sure it fits for him. It'll be a different lifestyle. I'm obviously moving away from Nottingham. I know he's done it when he went to Glasgow. Uh, so he's got to get used to that again. Yeah, I guess Burnley have got Tarkovsky and me in the way. So, but that's good. You're going to have challenges anywhere you go, aren't you? I suppose. Absolutely. You know, it's same as Forrest now. They've, if they, if he goes, it leaves himself light at the back of the pitch, and I'm sure they must have a plan for if this does happen. This has to be covered and uh, boxed off as well. Uh, is he good enough for the Premier League? Fans seem to think he is. I think he is. Do you think he is? Uh, I think from what I've seen this year, he could play in the Premier League, absolutely. Uh, but like I say, it's a top, top league and it's it's relentless and it's ruthless, the Premier League. Uh, so you still hope he keeps improving. He's still a young man. Um, we've got a great career ahead of him. What about if um, he does go then? Have Forrest got enough already in the camp in what you've seen in McKenna, Figueredo and, and Loic Mbiso? Uh not particularly. Uh, I like McKenna. I'm not sure about Figueroa. I think he makes uh, an awful lot of mistakes uh, for a centre-back. You know, like I said before, centre-backs aren't judged on their ball-playing ability. They're judged on stopping people scoring in your own goal. So I'm not so sure they will have enough if he is let go. But like I'm saying, the manager must have a plan if they are going to let Joe go for what comes in to replace him. What about Mbeso? They spent a fair wedge on him. He was at Paris Saint-Germain and he couldn't really get a game. So he's obviously a talented boy. Is it a difficult balancing act for Chris Hewton now to try and keep him happy next season? I've only seen him playing one game, to be fair, Matt, and I wasn't overly impressed. But uh, he's got to try and keep him happy. But if he's there, you know, and whatever he's earning, he needs to earn his money. And if he needs to be playing, he's got to be good enough to play. And if he's not good enough, you have to have, a, you know, another plan after that. Um Looking further up the pitch, the other player who seems to be linked with the move away is Lyle Taylor. What did you make of him last season? He came in with this kind of reputation of putting himself about. He'd had a good season at Charlton. What did you make of him when you saw him up close more often? I think he worked extremely hard. Uh, he worked extremely hard off the ball, uh, but he always seems to be playing catch-up in my eyes. You know, he, he didn't get too many touches of the ball in and around the opposition box. Uh, he obviously not scored enough goals to be really successful. And he's not played an awful lot of football at the end of the year as well, Matt. So it's been a tough year for him. Uh, hopefully he gets a good pre-season and you can find a goal scorer. You know, you've got to replace, you know, you're Glenn Murray now who's not there anymore. Uh, so you've got to find someone who's going to score you 20 goals, 25 goals this season to get you into the middle of the league, to get you around the playoffs and be challenging for those promotion places I'm sure they want to be doing. 
you keep Taylor around then next season? I know there's talk of him going. Well, it depends what you have. It depends what, who you're going to play up front. You know, you, you don't have too much up front, to be fair, Matt. I'm not I'm not so sure that you can let him go yet until you have a you know, replacement for him. All the players they've been linked with as a striker to come in so far have been uh, League One, I think, would be Jerry Yates would be the big one from Blackpool, um, Dion Charles at, at Accrington. You spent your, your managerial career around, you know, League League One, League Two, and now non-League. Is there enough talent there that Forest can, you know, pull a rabbit from the hat potentially? There are, especially Jerry Yates. When I was across at Notts County, he was at Carlisle. He did fantastic. He's did really well at Blackpool. Uh, so he'd be one that another one goal scorer works extremely hard. But you know, it, it's a big step. The Championship's a tough league. It's relentless. Like I said before, you'll play. Every few days, uh, you need somebody who's going to like consistently get you 20, 25 goals. Uh, so it's going to be tough, but there are gems out there. Uh, but sometimes not every move works. So but it's going to cost you an awful lot of money to get somebody that's renowned striker. It's going to get you 25 goals a season as well. So it's going to be a tough one to call that one. Does a striker have to be able to do a bit of everything these days? Because teams don't tend to play two up front, do they? So they've got to be able to hold the ball and run the channels and get in the box. It's not an easy role, is it, playing one up front? No, it's relentless, that work. That work. You know, People who don't play two up front, that one role, you know, they've got to be uh, really smart with the movements. They've not got to do too much work outside the, the width of the penalty area because otherwise they just leave themselves where they're not going to score goals, which they're judged on how many goals they can score from getting rebounds, from running in the centre of the pitch and scoring dirty goals in the six-yard box. They're the best ones for everybody. Uh, so they are judged on what they score and not so much on how much work they do. You know, the stats are there for people to see. First thing they look at, how many goals do you score, how many sisters do you get? Yeah, is that where Taylor fell down, do you think, last season? He seems to do his best work working the channels, didn't he? He was not in the box enough. Yeah, like I say, he, he works extremely hard and nobody's... Uh, saying anything about his work rate and his commitment, he just hasn't scored enough goals. And when you look at it, you look at his appearances or whenever he comes on, he needs to get himself in goal-scoring positions to be able to contribute to the team. What about Graben? He's at that age now where people start asking questions of a player's longevity. He's 33, 34, I think. Is his race run or can he bounce back next season? No, he, he still scores the majority of the goals for Forest. Again, if you look at his touch map, his touches in and around the penalty area are minimal. Uh, you know, that's how Forest were playing. Like I said before, I think Forest were more set up to not get beat as opposed to go and try and beat teams, especially away from home. You know, that's the manager's prerogative on how he sets up. But he still scores your goals. You know, he, he misses chances like every striker, but I don't think it worries him too much. And he's always put himself in a position to score. Uh, so, you know, another year, possibly. I don't know until he, uh, until he decides what he wants to do. Uh, one striker who has scored goals, who well, a goal, who doesn't play for Forest anymore, is Ben Brereton. I should say Ben Brereton Diaz um, scoring for <laughs> Chile in the Cup for America. <laughs> I don't know where the Diaz has come from. Obviously, he wants to uh, ingratiate himself with the Chile fans. I guess it's from his mum's name. I think. Did you work with Ben in the academy at all? No, no, I'd left by that stage. Uh, ben was a kid that came through, obviously the uh, the under 18s and went into the 23s and got into the first team and did really well. Uh, He's another one that plays a bit part at Blackburn, really. Uh, doesn't play every week, but to get a call and play in the, the American Cup, he's going to, you know, it's fantastic for him and to play against all the players that he is and to get himself a goal, Mr. Uh, Burton Diaz. He's done really well so far. Yeah, I think he's playing more of a, a wide role now, a wide of a, of a three at Forest. I mean, you must be pleased for him, though, because he had a bit of a tough time, didn't he, when he left Forest? It's good to see him do well. 
It is good to see him do well. We always like to see people that leave Forest go into other clubs to do well. But like I say, he's still a young man and he's going to have peaks and he's going to have dips in his career. Uh, like I say, I think he's had both and hopefully this will be the, the upward spiral that he's going to take for the near future. How are you feeling about Forest next season? Obviously, they've not done any business yet and it's early days. But are you optimistic that Chris is going to be able to work that second season magic he's done elsewhere? Always optimistic. Uh, always optimistic at the start of any season, like any supporter, Matt. Uh, it's how much work gets done in the off-season. I'm sure they've all sat down already with you know the backroom staff and the recruitment staff and the owners and everything else to find out what they really do need to be able to have a really solid season and then hopefully be a little bit more exciting, a bit more expansive with some creation, uh, some more goal scoring uh, to get into the position you want to be in the middle of the table and then push up for the playoffs. How many signings do you think they need, Steve? Because last time, last summer they signed 14. It seemed too many. Is is there a, a reasonable number that you know, will turn them around, do you think? Well, 14 is too many in my eyes because it just dilutes what you're looking for. You know, It's whether you put all your eggs in one basket and say, right, we need a goal scorer. Uh, we need a creative midfield player. If Joe goes, do we need to replace a, a centre-back? What do we have? Full-backs, obviously. Christie's gone as well. And the other Ribeiro's gone. So what do you have at full back? So, no, there are some gaps to plug. Uh, it's where you take your players from and how much these players are going to cost to see how much quality you can get. Do you think Chris Hewton will be quite happy there's some gaps to plug? It wasn't his squad, was it, at all? He might, might Will he welcome the chance to put his own stamp on it, do you think? Possibly, yeah, possibly. He might have to go there now and say, right, this was what we had before. They've all gone. I need this to be able to get to where we need to be. Uh, like I say, his, his second season is normally fantastic. And if we can do that at Forest, it would be fantastic for everybody involved. What's happening at Basford United then? I read a few of your players have agreed to take a, a pay cut, which is very noble of them. Even though I'm sure it's not their first job, but it's a big gesture. What, what's happening down at Greenwich Avenue? Well, we retained the majority of our squad from last season. Uh, I think we only released five players from last season. All the ones that were playing at the end of last year have all re-signed. Uh, it's been a tough you know, it's been a tough time for the football club and the chairman and everybody concerned with the club that there's been no revenue coming in, especially with the lockdown, with even the junior section. So all the community section was shut down. There's no subscriptions to the club. There was no income at all. And we just said to the players, listen, they started this journey with us. They want to continue this journey with us and hopefully get to where we want to in the National League. And they've all taken a reduction in pay. Uh, so... We're really pleased. We're really pleased with the commitment that they've shown. And, you know, we want to do well again next year. Uh, and hopefully we get a full season to have a go at it. That must have been a big relief to you because some, there's always a club in every league who's got a bit of money and they get this kind of artificial tag thrown at them by other clubs. For your players to take that pay cut and show it's not just about the money, that sends out a good message to you, do you think? Well, it is, you know, the club The club did pay good money. And like I said, we, we've reduced the budget because we've had to. Uh, and all the players want to be here for the right reasons. We've, you know, we've said to the players now, you're here for wanting to do well for yourself, wanting to do well for Baseford United to see where we can all get to. You know, we don't want players to come in now just for a quick book, really. So we, we need to make sure we vet the players before they come in. We need to make sure we get the right people involved. And I think at the minute we have. What shape do you think the non-league game is in overall then coming out, touch wood, out the other side of the pandemic soon? Is it in a real mess? Uh, the shape of the non-league game or some of the shape of the players will be, will be defined. <laughs> Obviously, we, we come back to pre-season training next Tuesday. Uh, so, 
you know, everybody's been itching to get going again. You know, at the end of last season, we managed to have one game against Mickelover right at the death of the, I think, end of May. So they've had five weeks off. Uh, we've got a six-week pre-season planned. And then we've got some really nice games, mostly down at Greenwich Avenue at Baseford. So we're looking forward to that. So we're hopefully everybody's come back in good shape. Uh, the league's excited to get going again. And everybody can come down to Greenwich Avenue and just watch some really, really exciting football. You haven't lost any clubs in your league, then no one's gone under or anything like that, have they? No, no. I think some people have found it really tough, like I say, but at present, you know, we'll have a full restart with the other clubs that were involved last year. Oh, that's a relief. Um, let's talk about the Samantha Bursall's trophy then, because you've been heavily involved in it. I think you've got a planning meeting after this. Um, what, what what can people expect who are coming down on Sunday? Um, it's, there's lots to look forward to by the sound of it, isn't there? There's lots to look forward to. It's going to be a great day. Uh, obviously, everybody knows you know the news of Samantha and and what we're trying to do for her and Treetops Hospice, along with Gary and the rest of the committee and the players that have given up their time for the Sunday to come and play in this game. It would be a fantastic occasion. There's there's something all day to be fair. Matt. There's walking football in the morning, which I've just uh, got involved in as well. Uh, being of a certain age, it's a, I feel so much fitter playing walking football than I did when I was playing obviously in the, in the main in the main game. Uh, but I'll be involved in both. So in the afternoon, three o'clock kickoff, uh, the list has been out on the internet uh, of all the people that are coming to play, you know, in Marlon and Matty Turner with Kevin Nolan and Kevin Keegan's team. They've got some real international superstars playing. Uh, and ourselves with Martin and Nigel's team, uh, all the players have been involved with Forest over the years. And we're really looking forward to meeting up again uh, and playing this game and raising lots of money for Treetops Hospice. Yeah, just give us a few names of people who are who are actually playing. Then you mentioned Dawson earlier. So from from the Forest side, uh, there's Mark Crossley, uh, Des Walker, Julian Bennett, myself, Michael Dawson, Brian Roy, Jason Lee, Paul McGregor. Uh, trying to think of the boys who are also involved with the Spencer Weir Daly. I've got my list and my other room to be fair. Uh, Steve Guinan, <laughs> Craig Armstrong. There's lot. There's lots and lots in the in the Forest team. Apologies if I've missed anybody out. Andy Reid, Chris Cohen, obviously recently been at Forest and Reid is still doing well with the uh, academy staff there. So that's the Forest team. Uh, on the superstar team, uh, we've got uh, Jimmy Walker, goalkeeper, used to be at West Ham, Anton Ferdinand, Paul Kincheski, uh, Stilian Petrov, Marlon Harewood. Uh, so, you know, it's a really, really good catalogue of footballers. So, Please come on down. Please support it. Uh, you know, you can, if you can't get down here because it's a sellout, still buy virtual tickets from the club shop just to donate to the Treetops Hospice for the charity. Yeah, you've raised a load of money so far. Um, is there a bit of an element of pride and self-respect not to be crap when you play? Is that still Absolutely, there? absolutely. <laughs> what, well, what we tried to do with myself and with Marlon and Matty as we did the teams was try to make it competitive. You know, we tried to do it along the kind of soccer aid version where we don't want one team that's going to be dominant against the other. We want to try and make this a proper football match and hopefully we've got the balance of the teams right and that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a lot of fun, but everybody knows that when people get together and they start playing again, it does get competitive. I'm sure at some point there will be a few words exchanged and at least one tackle maybe. And then there's stuff afterwards as well, isn't there? There's, yeah, there's stuff afterwards. Yeah, we've got some speakers afterwards. We've got a little bit of a musical interlude. We've got an auction on site afterwards at the ground. Uh, so it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a really, really good afternoon and a good evening. 
does it show in the serious side? Like we've Gary's always on here. He's supposed to be on here today, and I had to pull out unfortunately. But he's a great friend to all of us. Does it show the kind of football family side that people always talk about? It sounds like a bit of a cliche, but it it does exist here, doesn't it? It is, and I saw Gary speaking with Viv uh, on the internet as well in the last couple of days that we are all a family, and especially you know like we've said before, people who are at Forest always have this affinity to want to do well at Forest and stay connected with Forest. It's a great family club. We've got great supporters and hopefully, you know, especially even in Nottingham, it's a great community for sport with your Notts County, your Mansfield, your cricket and your rugby. Everybody, you know, tends to stick together and, and want to do well for everybody else. So we've had a lot of support. Uh, people who are Forest fans like Lee Westwood, uh, Lee Wood, uh, Cole Frotch, they've all contributed towards at some point the auction uh, we've got stuff on the auction itself, you know, from from Maradona. I think there's a signed boot as well. So there's some great things. But we are, like I say, all pulling in the same direction to help Gary and help Samantha and the Treetops Hospice. Yeah, I'll plug the auction on my Twitter after this, which is at Matt Davis, D-A-V-I-E-S underscore N-P. And if you want to find out more about the game itself and what's on offer, go to the Basewood United Club shop, which is uh, www.bufcclubshop.com, or one word. Um, Steve, thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate it, Sean Oates. I know you've got to go and do a, another planning meeting for this game, so thanks for coming on. No problem. Uh, we shall be back uh, next week with a longer episode, a bit of a short one this week, but appreciate everyone for joining us and uh, do give us a good rating as normal on iTunes and YouTube we, and we shall see you all soon. Thanks very much, everyone. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.